and welcome to First Drafts That Glow, a short story writing project featuring me, Avon. <laughs> okay, so today's episode is going to be a fantasy story, so I just want to just open up with something goofy like that. I want to thank you for joining me last week for replacement sculpture. Um, I was gunning for a, uh, a political drama, and I turned out to write a conspiratorial kind of sci-fi adventure thing. And, you know, that's fine. I, I had a lot of fun with that story. Um, there were parts of it that I, I feel um, were I to go back and work on, I could do much better. Um, and, you know, I'm doing that. I, I am going through some of my old stories. There's 25 of them now. Can you believe that? This is 26. And... Um, I'm going to make an anthology, but they will be much more polished up, uh, not in this first draft format. Um, today's episode, I asked for uh, what genre to do, and the poll said fantasy, so that's what I did. And the random words I chose were from a random word generating website. And uh, what I do is I uh, have it give me three options, and I pick the middle one five times. And uh, <laughs> my goodness, I was like, I don't know what to do with this. And I always pick the title based on the random words. So, um, you know, every time you see a title for these stories, it's based on those random words. And then the other random words kind of inform or inspire what I write. Um, so yeah, uh, I just want to, to plug a few things really quick because I don't have any sponsors and I'm not making all that money, at least not yet, because you got to tell your friends, you got to like and subscribe, you got, you got to share this on your social media, you know, whatever it is, um, you know, just let people know that a beautiful space cat is uh, writing short stories and reading them. And it's, you know, on YouTube and it's on a podcast. And, you know, they're all original. They're all entertaining, even if they're not perfect. Because, uh, you know, it's why we're here. Uh, but yeah, it, it, we also do this on a podcast audio format outside of this video format. That's a new thing, and all the episodes will ultimately show up there. Just search for your favorite, uh, uh, or just, <laughs> you see, I don't script this, so it's all completely random. But, you know, go to your favorite uh, podcasting service and just type in First Drafts at Glow. Chances are you'll find it. If not, there's an RSS link below. And, uh, yeah, I also want to tell you that I have opened up uh, print-on-demand shops on Redbubble and Zazzle. They both offer unique items from each other. I was thinking about some of the others, but it's a lot of repeats. And <sighs> But these two do very different things. There's print-all-over shirts on Redbubble, and there's, uh, like, car mats and skateboards on Zazzle. So, you know, check those out. Link's in the bottom. And I have done coloring books with a beautiful person named Athens Cascade. They're called Mindful and Funky. There's three of them right now. Number four is coming soon. I have two of the coloring books. Um, the third one just won't come in the mail yet. I'm not sure why. Um, but uh, they're, they're just beautiful. They're larger format, as you can see. 
I mean, I have a big head, but these are big. And um, they're just fun to color, uh, you know, just to be mindful, disconnect from the Internet, you know, buy a couple for your family room. You know, why not? Um, and then I also, for myself, designed journals. Now, look at how big this one is. I was thinking maybe I might make smaller ones, but right now I really was uh, thinking that I would just keep the larger format. I have two of them. This is a non-binary monotile specter pattern. Uh, you know, all you STEM kids should know what this is. And, uh, you know, the interior has dots on the page. There's date, week, and time. You know, you can do whatever you want with this. There's 200 pages to fill. Um, great for school, great for work, great for just, you know, having it around the house and keeping track of stuff. And the fact that it's dots, you know, lets you shape each page the way you want. Um... Uh, yeah, and I did another one using the hat monotile, and that one's a trans uh, color pattern, and uh, you know same dot pattern inside and everything else. So do check those out. Those are on sale on Amazon.com. Uh, there are also links on my website nailsthatglow.com under books that glow. Now, I've talked plenty already, and you want me to just get to reading the story. Now, uh, you know, all my stories I try to write in a family-friendly uh, way. And uh, there have been a few stories where I've had um, extreme violence and gore and stuff like that. And I make sure to point those out. In this story, there's none of that. It is a half-orc. Uh, who just happens to be gay. And if that offends you, get the fuck off my show. I don't want you here anyways. <laughs> oh, I'm doing nothing but making friends here. Doing nothing but making friends. Oh, yeah. Giggity, giggity. Nope, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> anyways. Um, that's why I'm wearing a Klingon shirt because, you know, I, I kind of feel Klingons and orcs are very similar, but, you know, that might be blasphemy to some of you. And I really don't care. So, here are my glasses. I think I need to clean them, but they're fine for now. They're fine for now, right? Yeah, okay. How you like my hair? It's getting much longer. And my nails... Ooh, you know, I, I did sparklies on my thumbs. If you're just listening to this on podcast, yes, you can look at the video and you can see my beautiful face and just be intoxicated by how I talk and how I smile and how I just stare at the camera, which is going to happen occasionally. So if there's gaps in, uh, you know, just my you know, voice. It's because I'm just kind of looking at the camera because I screwed up and I have no idea what I just wrote and I'm trying to work it out. Or something uh, else, a, a secret other third thing that you will only know if you're watching the video. Ooh, kind of makes you want to watch the video. Like and subscribe. Okay, so we're going to stretch it out ever so slightly. What do you think of the uh, title card? I spent a good bit of time on this. Yeah. Yeah, right? And again, if you're listening to it on podcast, you'll see a very teeny tiny version of the art card. Yeah. 
I don't know what to say. <laughs> okay, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you ready? Because I am ready. Now, uh, here we go. All right. You ready? Uh, uh, mom jokes. I'm all about mom jokes up in this beast. All right, here we go. Dark Rotations. A first draft stuck low story by me, Avon. Lance falls out of bed every night. The bruises on his arms and face would present problems if it were not for his mixed heritage. Orc bodies, orc bodies are used to abuse as human bodies would perish under. Sickness of the blood and infection was not something he needed to worry about. But he still winced each time healers poked at him. There were five half-orc knights in the caravan. King Willow of the Valley had insisted Lance and the others be part of this company. The king had recently allowed the orc nations to ally and integrate with the economy and the military. Some of the humans and the elvenkin were not thrilled with this. Orcs and half-orcs were taller, stronger, and were more intelligent than many of the other races wished to acknowledge. There were more wizards and paladins by ratio among the orc communities than there were in human and elf combined. Not great for the superiority of races preached for hundreds of years by humans and more recently at the elven kin. Not wishing to encourage comparisons to animals and mindless raiders, Lance kept the other half-orcs to a strict code of behavior. The only one that was a problem was Bloodtooth. He refused to drop the blood from his name and insisted on using the objectively inferior hygiene supplies of his home. A mix of musky flowers with a few oils and fats. Lance had lived between his human and orc families his entire life and kept the best of both. Soap and the soda powder for teeth were possibly his favorite human products. Bloodtooth would leer at the women knights and the servants. The other half-orcs were still rough around the edges, but Lance had their respect. The only thing Lance could not get for himself or the others was bigger cots. None of them were terribly good at building things, and the materials were very expensive. Sleeping in the dirt or on the floor was something animals did, not the behavior of knights no matter if they fell to the floor a few times every night. Today, Lance was excited. The caravan had arrived at the largest metropolitan city in the realm, next to the city-state of the Valley of the Weeping, where the king, where king Willow resided. Oh my god, I forgot. <laughs> Fantasy stories always have complicated titles and names and stuff, but I promise you I don't do that a lot outside of, you know, this... Uh, anyways... And we continue. <laughs> Here, he may find a place for his kin to rest with proper-sized beds and possibly a way to allow Bloodtooth to vent some of his more orc-flavored desires. A small man, barely to Lance's knee, calls out, Hail, Master Lance! Hail, <laughs> Hello, Boffin. Lance kneels to bring himself more level with Boffin. What news of my request for personal time for my men and myself? 
One second. I have the seed here somewhere. Patting his vest filled with small pockets, he stops at one close to the top right. He plucks out a green seed. And yep, this is it, he says just before snapping the seed between his fingers. A roll of paper bound by the seal of the knight commander appears in Boffin's hand. He snaps the seal and unrolls the paper. The commander has given you the orc given you the orc bloods and the rest of the knights a week to rest in the city. You are all allowed fifty silver and may send any cost of rented rooms uh, to myself. This is excellent, Lance exclaims. Boffin's cough coughs. There is a very detail-oriented paragraph here about Bloodtooth. I understand, Boffins. May I use your quill? Of course, sir. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to do voices here. I think I'm getting confused. Boffins flips a quill from the air with his left hand. Just place your mark here and report to the quartermaster for your silver before officially being on leave. Lance scratches his flowery signature on the sheet. His mother was very keen to make sure his writing was perfect and pleasant to behold. Nodding, he does a short bow as he stands, and Boffins returns the bow. Later that day, Lance had collected the knights at the tavern of the bloated manticore. It was run by an orc elf family, and the entire staff was orc-blooded. A welcome change for himself and the other half-orcs in the company of knights. The human knights were still getting used to the leadership of an orc and the brotherhood of their fellowship of knights, of their fellowship, fellow knights. <laughs> flowery language and fantasy. What is it with flowery language and fantasy? I don't know. Lance had made sure to find a place where all 20 knights could reside. Accommodating to both human and orc needs and with flexible enough rules to allow the rambunctious celebrations both in the pub and in the bed these men and women would be enjoying. As Lance was about to raise a mug to toast his lieutenants, Birch, the largest female knight, landed on the table with a bloody nose. She smiles rolling off the table to leap on the back of a human man wearing bear furs. He reaches back to flip Birch off onto the floor as she grabs his furs, flipping him over herself. Quicker than Lance can make out, Birch is on top of the bearded man and has a large and has a large mug in her <laughs> and has a large mug uh, held up with a cheerful roar. From held up wait, what did I write here? On okay, she's on top of the bearded man. She has a large mug in her hand, followed by a cheerful roar from the rest of the pub. She Hmm. She she does something from the mug, blowing some of the draught into the air. Okay, she. <laughs> this is why we're here, folks. Okay, so, um, she's oh she slings uh some of the some of the uh, blah, blah, blah. she slings some of the foam out of the mug and then pours some of it on the man's face. Another cheer filled with laughter roars through the pub. Birch, smiling wide with her braided blonde and red-tinged hair sticking to her face, looking to the man. 
I have bested you. Now take me to your room and show me more of these strengths you claim to have. The roar of the bar is followed by applause. Lance looked to his, looks to his lieutenants. Go have your fun. We'll have a somber toast another day. The pub fills with song. Lance makes his way to the bar. Before he can flag the bartender, a small human sitting at, sitting at the bar uses his forearm to tap Lance's. Looking down, looking down to the man, Lance feels himself blush. Human, with some elf in his blood, had to be, he thought to himself. Light, light brown beard, kept short and very well groomed. Hair long and a high ponytail, wearing the colors of rangers and smelling of a campfire. Smiling slightly, the man says, Hey, handsome, my name is Yolas. I am Lance. I was waiting for you to be done with your brothers and sisters in arms. I did not want to intrude. Motions for Lance to sit as he sets a mug in front of him. I got this as soon as I saw you make your way here. A wink follows his words. Well, <laughs> you are bold. What makes you think I am interested in men? Lance holds his mug up to Yol Lance holds his mug up to Yolas's. After a long sip, Yolas holds Lance's eyes for a moment. Just one of those things, I suppose. I have to say, that kind of perception is quite attractive. Lance drains the mug, motioning the tender for two more. What brings you to town? I did not see many rangers. I do not see many rangers in large cities. Bounty, Yola says, lowering his head. Before you ask, I am not a mercenary. This is for my community. Hey, I know mercenaries and bounty hunters get a bad reputation. My grandfather on my human side was one. No dishonor. Nodding to the tenders, the mugs are set down as he moves one to Yolis. Rangers are not supposed to take bounties, you know. That's a silly rule, Lance says. No matter. What kind of freedom do you have this night? Lance laughs. You are off your game, very obviously. Yolis blushes. I admit, I have not been in a pub to talk to a handsome man in quite some time. I would be happy to take suggestions on how to capture the attention of such a handsome man. Placing his hand behind Yolis's head, Lance leans down. You got it already. Later that night, Yolis, sitting in Lance's lap next to the open window, looking over the city, still buzzing. Lance adjusts the blanket he's using to cover them both. I'm happy to have met you, Yolis. Will you stay the night with me? If you like. Tomorrow night, would you like to come to the forest with me? That would be great, Lance says. The morning sun finds the end of the bed warming. <sighs> the morning sun finds the end of the bed, warming the toes of Lance as his feet lay exposed. The warmth rising to his chest then to his face, brings him slowly out of the haze of dreams. The lean body, the lean body of Yolis draped on his right side. Slowly, he gets up and gets dressed. After getting some food from the pub below, he returns to Yolis making tea. Morning, Ranger. Is the day to be bright or are we expecting rain? Lance booms, entering with rolls and sweet cakes and a plate of meats and fruit. 
looking to the sky and smelling the air from the open window. Yola says, clear and moderate today, just as yesterday. The birds told me of a storm traveling in this direction, but it will be a few days. This is good. I'm looking forward to camping with you tonight. I must caution you. We may run into my bounty in the forest. I do not wish to place you in a fight that is not yours. I was not thinking clearly enough to explain this last night. Nothing to concern yourself with, Lance says. I'll bring my blade. Lance picks up, picks Yolus up, scooping him from his seat. As they kiss, Yolus wraps his arms around Lance's neck. Yolus catches the orc's eyes. I'm almost angry that I must keep a few appointments today before I am free. Uh, how much time do we have? Enough for breakfast, and then, trailing off, he nods to the bed. Aye, then let us eat, Lance says. The day grinds. Two of his company ended up in jail, and he had to send them back to the main camp. Three of the company had been a bit vigorous with the celebration they were having with some of the city folk. Lance was filling out paperwork and issuing orders of tasks the knights had to finish before continuing their relaxation. The paperwork was his least favorite part of being in charge. He wanted more fighting and less display of power in his king's wealth. As the sun set, an open-air stage in town square at an open-air stage in the town square a sorcerer was performing rare magical feats of elemental fusion and transmutations that were rare only because they had little practical use outside of the spectacle of them. Lance was amazed by the subtle control of shapes and perspective the caster appeared to have as he told his accompanying story. As the children ran through the dark city streets, they heard the tapping of claws on the stones and planks all around them. The fire and the earthen shapes formed and reformed into images of children looking around as bits of metal and water kept making noises and creating walls aside the images of children. Before they could blink, a roar came from above them, nearly crushing the small ones. The water and metal form into a solid ice form of a manticore with, a sh with shiny accents standing before two earthen figures of children lit from within. The beast said, you will make a good meal as it opens its mouth. But just before it can bite down, the children both grow into giant wolves. The shapes of children grow twice as large as the ice shape of the manticore. They say in unison, foolish beast, we were running as we waited for the light of the sister moon to rise in the sky. A blue-flamed orb rises, casting an icy light on the figures. The wolf monsters howl as they drop their claws into the back of the foul manticore corruption. The entire scene bursts into fine particles before separating into balls of ice, fire, earth, and water next to the magic user. Lance claps with delight. He grabs the silver, tossing it into the floating dish, making its way through the crowd. I will never understand why casters like that do not join the rangers and the under-earth searchers, Yola says, walking up to Lance. I could not guess the... I, I could not guess past the impractical aspect. My sister is a mage, and she couldn't even light a proper fire with those spells. 
You may be right. I was never one for magic, aside from the cantrips the forest and river offers me. Lance leads Yolas back to his room to collect supplies, offers to hire horses. Yolas declines. I walk for days without rest, but I may feign exhaustion if you wish to carry me at any point. They both smile and kiss as they chuckle slightly through touched lips. In the forest, Lance feels more at home. He watches the cat-like movements of Yolas as he steps through the brush. Occasionally, climbing up a tree with deft skill, Lance, Lance envied, and coming back down silently, adjusting their direction each time. As the second moon reached its peak, and the peak of the night and nightfall was upon them, Yola signals that they will camp. The tent and bedroll was elven. Lance envied the entire arrangement. The padding was deceptive. It felt like a bed of it felt like a bed a foot thick excuse me, a foot f thick filled densely with feathers and folds of fabrics. The pillows folded out from a pouch the size of a human hand to the size of a man's torso. The blankets were also somehow cool and warm at the same time while being thinner than pants fabric. The tent itself popped from a small disc shape. Yolus saw the look on Lance's face. Not magic. Well, not most of it. I know the fabric is enchanted a little, but everything else is just a mechanical process. I would have thought you worked with the rangers before. No, Lance says. My tribe, well, my orc tribe, did not allow rangers, and my human family wanted me to focus on becoming a knight. I have only parlayed with a ranger a few times. Is that what you call it? Yola smiles, climbing into the tent to come out just as quickly with a small fold of paper. Hey, I was not implying or... Wait. I get it. You're fucking with me. Lance blushes through his light green skin. Setting up a few bits of wood and arranging stones around, around that, Yolas looks up to the sky, muttering a few words before looking at Lance. Can you get a few more bits of wood for the fire? I think two more large pieces would last us. Lance nods, heading into the blue-lit forest. The high moon casting just enough light to not need a lantern, but not quite enough to not imagine shapes in the shadows. Lance, Lance cuts as the vibrating... Huh. Lance... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is why we're here. This is why it's a first draft story, because I write a sentence and I think I'm being clear and then I read it back and I'm like, the fuck is this? Lance cuts at a and it says as instead of at. And I'm like, OK, so Lance cuts at a vibrating branch, thinking it to be a snake. Thankfully that Yolas did not. Thankfully that Yolas did not witness this. He collects some dead wood nearby, making it back to camp quicker than the time it took him to get this far away. Setting the wood down next to Yolas, Lance opens his pack, taking out his journal, scratching some notes. Yolas sets up the other bits of wood. He unfolds the paper he was holding, crumbles it before setting it inside the wooden structure. He whispers to the arrangement, and it sparks to life as a fully realized flame. Lance wished he could do that. The stones and sometimes potions he used were never as effective. They both unpack supplies to cook and brew. Yolas, 
May I inquire about this bounty? You have not said anything of it since the morning. <sighs> yes, well, I took it on as the only ranger in my community, not committed to a regimen. It is a woman that took children from her wife. We suspect she plans to kill them if she hasn't already. Filling his mug, he then drains it in one go. Yola sighs deeply. The trail went a bit cool by the time I got to the city. I need to find her, but I also just wish to enjoy time with you. Lance puts his hand on Yolas's back. Hey, this feels like something a bit more personal than just doing your community honor. <sighs> you are right. The woman was married to my sister. Beginning to sob, Yolas leans his head on Lance's chest. The woman cursed my sister to become a year older each month that goes by. Even with the elf blood we have, we're not immortal, and she wanted to have more children. By the gods, who is this vile woman to do such things? Lance hugs Yolas close. She came to our village as we were all selecting our paths. My sister had decided to get, it, get the spell of transformation upon her to be a woman that could bear children. She was our age, but she was she always felt far too confident to me. As we all entered adulthood, she courted my sister, and they married the following year. Not long after, my sister got one of the forest rangers from the other side of the mountain range to donate materials so she could have a child. Her wife was the one that insisted it be a ranger from that realm. Even if our community had many men that would have been honored to share a parentage with my sister... Lance waits before saying, Huh. You are avoiding her name. Well, both hers and your sister's. May I ask them? Yeah, oh, sorry. It's a habit of rangers, as you know, to keep names out of conversations. My sister's name is Megara, and her wife is Clover. Megara. Megara? Megara? I, I don't know what I was intending. I wrote this yesterday. <laughs> you would think I'd remember. But, no. I'll say Megara. Okay. And her wife is Clover. Clover. Huh, Lance says. Why is that a name that rings in my mind? Perhaps her notice was posted in a place you have visited. I have been searching for, for her for nearly three months now. Yolis begins to cry slightly. This is unforgivable. Why would she wish to kill children, and what connection does she have with the, with the realm on the other side of the mountain range? I can't be sure. All I've discovered is that she is not close to our age. I suspect she is near 800 years. Is she elf kind or from a wizard lineage? Lance asks. Yola sits up and begins to cook food. No, she appears human in total and never once had the after-scent of sulfur and sage that wizards have after meditation and casting. As a ranger, I have met a number of wizards, I have met a number of wizard lineage, and they always smell of sage and sulfur, even a decade after a focus meditation. It's a magical miasma. It's impossible to cover. Okay, you know what I'm going to say. Yes, and she's not a lich, nor is she a necromancer. Yolas flips meat cuts in the pan, throwing herbs and dashing oil 
If she were into that kind of magic out, magic out of town totems would have detect. <laughs> if she was into that kind of magic, our town totems would have detected and alerted all of us. She is also vibrant with life. None of that odd absence of warmth always felt around such magic users. Lance grabs a loaf of bread from his pack, cutting it with his dagger. So, she killed kids. You know this? We suspect she did. Nothing of them has been found or seen since they vanished from the village. Frowning, Lance bites a cut of the bread. After sipping some tea, he stands pacing. You can't be sure that she is... A dark fae? Yola says flatly. There's not been even a hint of a sighting of faith for thousands of years. The last record of any interaction was through a unicorn before it went to another land. Pacing faster, Lance nearly trips on himself. Do you think she has been here since the division? Or has she forced her way through? I can't be sure, Yola says. The best I've been able to find through some of the mages of the tower is that if she has been here since the division, she would be impossible to defeat. I just can't believe I just can't believe that, so I must try. After tonight, I'm heading north to a site of power. If she is anywhere right now, it would be there. Yola fixes two plates, handing one to Lance. Lance tosses the bread slices on a wire dish with the with a handle, <laughs> toasting some bread, landing some on each plate. They eat in silence as Lance collects the dishes and cookware. He looks over Yolas, who has not looked up since they started eating. Hey, um, let me go rinse these in the river, and then we'll talk. Yolas nods. At the river, Lance feels a wave of sickness. The smell of old potatoes and eggs gone wrong make his mouth fill with an acidic taste. Looking around, he sees a shadowy figure. Show yourself. A woman with large shoulders, raven hair, down past her hips, draped in a thin dress revealing all contours of her body and the thinness of skin and prominence of bones. You're the man Yola's found? A short laugh that might have been barking follows her hoarse voice. Overcome by all the foulness, Lance has no power to talk. He falls over, holding himself up with his hands. He looks up to the woman as best he can, mouthing words with only spittle and drool being produced. He chose poorly. My power is going to come from these children. I do not think he will come from you at all. I don't think his will come from you at all. Yeah, that kind of ruins it if I have to repeat it, but, you know, whatever. Closing his eyes, Lance recalls his tribal elder in his orc home village. He remembers the words of faith and honor the orcs would use to call upon the great rider of the plains in stony terrain, the great orc master Gulnor. He recites the oath he was once asked to take, asking for strength and guidance. Standing tall, Lance looks deep into the shadow figure. The woman howls, slipping back into the shadow. Lance again falls to his knees. Lance again falls to his knees. Suddenly, a bright flash of light overwhelms him. As his vision corrects, he looks up to see Golnor on his horse Speku. 
The giant orc and horse standing quietly next to Lance. No breath or smell or sound of any kind. Just as his vision focuses, the wind, the wind, the storm of breath from the horse and the giant orc, as well as the smell of a forge and farmland fill his mind. Oh, great Golnor and noble Speku, I thank you for helping me in my moment of need. The giant orc looks down and smiles. You belong to me now. You are my chosen paladin, and I will not be denied. Of course, my lord, Lance bows. Take this, noble one. Reaching down, an amulet sits on his index finger before Lance. This is my gift to you. You only have to ask for my assistance. If I deem it worthy, I will grant you aid. If I do not, I will abandon you. Lance takes the amulet, placing the shimmering chain around his neck. I am honored, Great One. We shall see. A bright flash of light, and Lance finds himself in the same spot. He collects the dishes and rushes back to camp. Yolis, I, I have been... I, I think I've been given a quest by my god. Lance says, dropping the dishes, sweeping the man into his arms. I think the gods have asked me to help you. Yolis begins to cry, hugging Lance. The dawn wakes him slowly. Breakfast and packing up camp take less time than he is used to. Yolis waits for Lance to sit and finish his tea. Lance... I know you saw Clover. That could have been nobody else. I also believe your God granted you his blessings, but I cannot... I do not wish for you to be harmed. You're the first man I have... That is... I... Trailing off, he sobs. I want to help you. I've not, I've not slowed down enough to have more than a physical connection since I started... Excuse me, since I started commanding the Company of Knights. We just met, but I want to help because I want to see you tonight and tomorrow night. And also, I'm now a paladin, and I'm sure you know what orc paladins are like. Yes, uh, I've fought alongside a few over the years. I just... It's just... Gosh. You have to know that I... Uh, that is... I let Clover take the kids... This is all my fault. I'm sure that isn't the case. We all tend to blame ourselves for the cowardice and mistakes of others. Yolis snorts. I gave her permission to leave the village that night. Well, I might, as, I might as well have. I left my post to go home. I was just too exhausted. I had just come back from an expedition and... You... Have to know, she is likely, she likely cast something on you, Lance says. No, Yolis yells. I was drunk and eager to get to my cabin to meet up with the innkeeper. I only cared about sex and mead. I brushed it off when I saw her leading the children towards the main gate that night. My sister was furious, finding me at home and not my post, finding me with a married man. I embarrassed myself and my family. I lied when I said I took a bounty. I planned to kill her. Lance holds Yolis as he sobs. Let us rid this world of her evil, then. I just need to do one thing. 
A short distance from the camp, Lance pulls out a sheet of paper, writing, Commander, I have been tasked by my god to assist a traveler. I will rejoin the company as soon as I can manage it. Please take my suggestion that Birch, ra be <laughs> that Birch raise to my role. Safe travels. Pulling out his amulet, he touches, he touches it to the page as it softly burns a copy of itself in the corner. Rolling up the page, he produces a seed from another pocket. One hand holding the seed close to his face, the other he holds the rolled paper behind the seed away from his face. He then brings the roll of paper closer. It vanishes into the seed. He sets the seed down and rejoins Yolis. After a few gushes of wind, Boffins walks from behind the tree. He looks around, shrugging, hones in on the seed, holds it up to his ears. Smiling large, he places the seed in one of his many pockets and walks around the tree, vanishing. Lance and Yolis walk along the river for a time, then make their way through rock, make their way through rock formations that cut the land like a scar. That night, they find a shadow cave in a canyon, a shallow cave in the canyon. <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's interesting when something's a uh, typo, but it's not a typo. So, like, you know, that's why, you know, most writers, after writing a first draft, and they go through a lot of the f first run through of editing is just fixing you know from form <laughs> uh you know random stuff like at instead of if <laughs> it's like uh it's good times because you know your fingers it, once you start typing like if if you type without looking at the keyboard sometimes you just go and it all makes sense to you while the words are just coming across the screen, but... Alright, my nose is stuffed up. I'm terribly sorry about that. Okay. Lance sees Yolis is not for conversation, or much of anything aside from looking deep into the flame. Lance begins to sing. The language of orcs had a notable uniqueness that set it apart from the others. There were limited letters and sounds. There were, there were limited in letters. There were limited letters and sounds that had, they had making up the language. I, mm, terribly written sentence. This made it, this made the language become about nuance more than any other language in any realm Yolas had seen or heard of. He had never actually heard an orc sing in orc tongue. Most of them either sang human compositions or recited elven poetry. Lance sang a song about the creation of orcs. The gods needed workers to help build the world. They created the races to perform specific functions. Elvenkind were to perfect art and discover all the shapes materials could take. Man was to test and challenge all possible things they came across. The dwarven and halfling folk were two sides of one coin that would master commerce and communication. The orcs were made to obey and work for the other races. On the other side of the world, the fae were created to fashion dreams and nightmares. 
they were never to interfere with the other races. One day, the god of the orcs, Gulnor, demanded his people be given a seat at the table of the other races. There was a great war. The other races had to decide if the orcs were to be freed from slavery and allowed a seat at that world table. At first, all the races opposed the orcs. Soon, the dwarven and halfling people took defending orc land. Soon, the elvenkind were ready to fight the humans to end the war. Eventually, the humans ended the conflict demanding the orcs keep separate from humanity and live only in the stony terrains. Soon the dwarf folk and the elves distanced themselves from the friendship of the orcs. For countless generations, there was a tense balance between orcs and the other races. Finally, Gulnor, in defiance to the elder gods, granted his people sorcery and divine magics. Gulnor knew there was going to be a war between the fae and the other races. When the divide happened, it was orcs. Only the orcs standing before the Fae, denying them access to the hearts and minds of the other races. For their sin of success, they were again shunned, and for another series of numberless generations, there was conflict and unrest between orcs and the other races. The song ended and Lance was crying. Yolus waits and then moves closer. Well, what happens next? where we are now, sweet Yolis. My people have just never been given space at the world table. It's only been recent it's only been recent in time that we have been included in the concerns and part of the world. The fact I am here, a half human orc, is literally the most amazing thing my ancestors simply wouldn't believe. They kiss. The morning sun does not hit them or the camp. The canyon was too deep for that. Yolus wakes Lance as they begin to walk, eating dried rations and sipping water from the enchanted leaves Yolus kept a book of. The next night, Lance dreams. He finds the space around him. He finds the space around him feels like water, without him floating or being able to swim through it. A pale gray light seems to rise from the floor and all around him, with no visible source. When he tries to call out, he runs out of breath. The panic feeling from being in the water too long overcomes him until he closes his mouth. He tries to listen, only to be met with a shocking level of sound forcing him to cover his ears. He thinks about his amulet, grabs that with his hands, and prays. The sound subsides. The breathlessness does not return as he opens his mouth wider and wider to recite his prayers. The feeling of being in water vanishes like steam, and the light grows into a golden hue. Standing before him is the shadowy figure. They look at each other. The figure moves slightly towards Lance before stopping, suddenly letting out a screech. Foul orc thing! Your people stood once before my kind. Do you think you can stand alone against me? Lance raises his head slightly to expose his neck. Try to bite me, dog, he says with a smirk. The figure, the figure's hand keeps hitting upon some invisible wall, causing her to wail each time. You will die soon, you dirty creature. Lance brings both his feet off the ground to 
to sit in a meditation position without falling or losing balance. He chants until he feels warmth of Yolas hugging him. Opening his eyes, he sees the beautiful brown eyes of the human ranger looking with focus right into his own. Morning. You were chanting in your sleep. Were you having nightmares? I, I think I met Clover again. She is not happy I am with you. Yolas nods, rubbing his head on Lance's chest. They stay holding they stay holding the one another until their bellies insist they move to eat. That day's walk was rougher. There was a slow incline filled with irregular terrain, and the sun above them, then at their backs. Yolas, as a ranger, did not sweat, Lance suspected. Lance, however, was wet like he just came out of a lake and he hated how sticky his orc sweat could be. That night, Yolas pointed down to a point that seemed to catch and collect moonlight. That is the place. Tomorrow night is the first alignment she can try something that requires that power. She would want to wait longer as it's just the first in the cycle. The more power she can collect, the better. But she may try anyways because we are close. Lance looks at the landscape and the location Yolas pointed at. That's a day and a half worth of travel. Yes, we have to eat and continue. I was not expecting this level of change in the landscape since a few years ago. She is likely channeling some of the energy there to alter the landscape. We should have been there already. Then let's eat and go. Oh goodness, sorry about that. They unpack some supplies to cook a large they <laughs> they unpack some supplies to cook a large meal. Yolas uses three water leaves to make tea and makes it stronger than normal. Lance is happy he decided to bring along sugar flavored with mint and herbs. Nice little boosts to the tea, he thought. They both laugh as they purpose as they are purposely clumsy to bump into the other and almost knock the food or tea to the ground. As they finish and pack up, Yolas wraps his arms around Lance. Thank you. Really, thank you. I never expected to have help on this journey, and I was not expecting any kind of connection either. Whatever happens, I am very happy to have met you. Lance holds the man's face, brushes his beard, bearded cheeks with his thumb, thumbs. Yes, this is the best. You are quite wonderful. They kiss and hold hands for a short time as they descend. The valley looked green and bright in the sunlight as they approached. On the ground, the light was pushed away. They could see the sun in the sky, but it did not want to cast rays through the trees or down to the grass and stones they walked upon. They paused after the first moon climbed, climbed the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Lance looks over the stars. I'm unable to see some of the stars. I, I can't judge what time it is. Yolas looks up, pointing to the moon. We have a few hours before she can even start setting up. She has been trying to infuse her essence into the land. I can feel it. She's still limited unless she connects to a source tonight. I need water and some of the jerky, Lance says. Do you want any of uh, my sugar cubes? Sure. 
They trade some supplies and continue as they eat. Soon, they are above the clearing, lined with carved stones and grooves. Lance looks over the scene, asking for a blessing to see through deception with a prayer. His eyes turn golden slowly. He then sees two children tied to small posts set before an altar. He sees a shadow form of clover drifting around, setting marks on various stones. Yolis, how many children did your sister have? Lance tries to recall. Yolis always said children, but never the number. I see two. Yolis rubs an oil under his eyes. One second, I'm trying to find the right potion to help me out here. Ah, there we go. He mutters as he looks around. Well, those are the kids. My sister had one child, then the child decided it was two children. Wait a minute. Are you saying your sister gave birth to a changeling? It has to be partly for sure. It must be why Clover wanted them. They are literally the same child with a connection to the elven reservoir of the, of the Eternal. Yolis inhales deeply. I hope you do not see them as evil. Lance looks to Yolis with surprise. Children are always innocent. Birth from deception or not, a child is not born evil or good. They are children. A long pause. You know, they are probably Clover's children. Yola stops short of saying no. He catches Lance's eyes as his own fill with tears. What are you saying? I'm saying that even if we do save them, the divide will make it really hard for them to keep in sync with this world. How old are they? They are six. Yola, I'm sorry, but of all the legends and stories, they will simply vanish before they reach eight. She probably planned this out the day she met your sister going to kill her. Yolis, I will not let you kill her unless she gives us no option. The look Yolis serves to Lance came with a scent of foulness before he says, fine, I will trust you. Making their way down, Lance nods to Yolis to dip into stealth. Lance continues keeping his golden eye focused on the slowly moving clover marking stones in a careful pattern. He prays for the strength and speed to free the children, to get them to safety. He feels his legs and arms surge with a sense of resolve entering his mind. As he sees Clover face the altar away from him, he rushes to the pillars the children are at. He quickly snaps the bonds with his blessed strength, alerting Clover with the first snap, being seen with the second. The children react slowly. Lance stops thinking as he tackles the foul-smelling shadow. Her howl nearly bursts his ears as he wraps his arms around her waist. The smell of rot and unsavory things overwhelms Lance, forcing him to close his eyes. The feeling of the body and the fabric is like holding on to a bag of insects made of silk, each bug tougher and more forceful than a horse running from an explosion. The inside of his nose feels like it catches fire and his mouth fills with a bitter sourness. Clover's voice rises above the deafening miasma and disorienting textures, chanting something in what might be a language of dreams and nightmares. Each sound from her mouth stabs Lance in the head and under his nails. His amulet smacks him in the face as he struggles to keep hold of the bitter corruption. A voice... A voice, a face, a feeling, 
I'll tell him to put the amulet in the witch's mouth and hold her down. Fighting against every fiber of his body and soul, he opens his eyes and sees he has a grip of clover at her waist, and her hands are beating at his head. She is spitting up whatever fluid she contains within her. It stings and has an oily effect on his grip. Slipping from his hands, Clover stands and slightly floats off the ground. She howls as she picks up a slab on the altar, raising her arms as she catches Lance's eye. She smiles as she begins to bring the slab down. An arrow clips one of her arms, making her twist and the slab to land away from Lance's head. She turns looking for the origin of the arrow, says some foul thing in Elfkin, and peppers human insults. Lance struggles to stand, slipping a few times off the stone and the altar top. Clover's voice settles to a normal volume. Oh, you stupid Yolus. You must have figured out by now these children will vanish anyways. Why not let me use them for this? They will be lost to you and your sister forever anyways. She moves slowly around the perimeter. As sobbing of the children catch her attention, she zooms past Lance to the source of their tears. Yolus calls out, Clover, you are an unnatural creature. You will be banished to the other world where you belong. A number of arrows flies from the darkness, clipping the silvery and ever-moving form of Clover. Lance tries to regain focus as he finally stands, his head and vision pulsing in waves. Clover looks around again for the source of the arrows before turning back to the children. She sees just behind one of the pillars. You and your lover are so very stupid. I was banished from there. These breaths are my ticket, and I will not wait thousands of years again just to try and fail. Reaching out for the kid, she pulls one of them up into the air. The child begins to scream and plead. The other one starts, starts to throw small pebbles, screaming as well. Clover laughs as she grabs the other child, holding them to her chest. All I have to do is be holding on to them when the second moon is in place. What are you going to do? Shoot arrows at me? You will not risk these children. Slowly moving, Lance forces his eyes to remain open. The desire to blink and wipe at his face, calling at him every moment. His blade in one hand, his amulet in the other. Rising behind her, Lance says, no, he won't. He plants his sword in her back as she opens her mouth to howl. He shoves the amulet in. She drops the kids. They run to the sound of Yolis's voice. Lance puts his arm around Clover's neck, forcing her to fall forward. She tries to open her mouth, but Lance pushes his arm up, not giving her jaw room to move. As they land to the ground, Lance pushes her head into the stones into the stones with his other hand. The feeling of bugs and slime missing, mixing with the smells and visual chaos begin to overtake him. Just as he feels it impossible to hold the creature in place, her body stops moving. The slime and shadows slip away. The feeling of bugs quickly becomes spiders, grubs, and slugs, mixed with a number of things Lance has no name for. As he keeps holding her head as he keeps holding the head down, he hears a faint whisper. Thank you for freeing me from this punishment. The skeleton left behind twitches. Lance sits next to it as it rolls itself on its back. 
The amulet still in its mouth, it sits up, looks to Lance, nods. It stands walking to the altar before bashing its head on the stone. The head breaks apart, followed by the skeleton falling into a pile. The amulet shines new and clean on the altar. Out of the shadows, Yolis holding the children, crying, Why, why did she do that? Lance shakes his head. I think my God gave her a choice to make, and she chose. Lance picks up his amulet, putting it on. What about these two? The kids look at Lance. They glance at each other. Can we ask for help? Lance kneels as Yola sets them down. They reach out for the amulet. A bright flash, and Lance is standing before his god. Golnor smiles. You're a good paladin, lad. What boon can I grant you for your noble service? Lance, without pause, says, Can the children stay in this world with their family? The horse stomps the ground. Golnor laughs. Yes, he is a good one. Fine. For the safety of these two, you will have to guide them home with your new partner. Keep them all safe, Paladin, and you will have my blessings. A bright flash, and he's looking at the children and Yolas kneeling, hugging them both. The area lit by the stars and moons properly now. Yolas, filled with tears. I'm going to miss you, Ram and Reese. The kids laugh and say in unison, Where are you going? Yolis leans back, looking at them both with tearful eyes. Well, you see, Lance interrupts. They're safe. Let me take all of you home. Yeah. Yolis kisses Lance, hugging him tightly. The children laugh and then join in the hug. After they collect themselves, they look around and decide to camp in the area just out of sight of the battle, battle space. As Yolis and the children sleep, Lance watches the stars. As he reaches for another sugar cube, he sees Boffin sitting next to his pack. You know I hate that. Well, your commander has given you an honorable discharge. As I have already told him, you have a new path. Lance squints. Birch? She is in charge and is doing great so far. Boffins, I must know how you do this thing. I wish you the best of luck. Do take care, Lance. Later, Boffins. Yolis peers out of the tent. Who are you talking to? Lance looks around, sees Boffins is gone. Just praying. I'll be in there to sleep shortly. Would you think? Seriously, would you think? I really like this story. Now, you know, as it is... You know, it being a first draft kind of thing, there's obviously some things I could have done much better. Um, but, you know, off-the-cuff world building, you know, a uh, romance between two awkward boys who are just trying to, like, you know, <laughs> it's just, you know, find a connection and be awkward boys. Because, you know, boys are off often very awkward. You know, and I, I'd like to think that there are good natured, more good natured boys out there than there are bad natured boys. You know, as a feminine non-binary myself, I never really 
got the the boys thing like I was into sports and stuff but uh, it just never clicked with me so I always when I when I write something like this I try to picture a better boy than the ones that I saw in my life and um that I tried to be because I had bad role models and when I you know eventually when I discovered oh wait I'm trans <laughs> things made a lot more sense but yeah anyways um I'm really interested in your feedback like and subscribe comment below what did you think about this world that I built um you know I One of the other fantasy stories I wrote, I dump on elves also in that one. Um, And it's not that I dislike elves, don't get me wrong. Elven stuff, love it. My first D&D character was a half-elf ranger. And, uh, you know, the Dungeons & Dragons online MMO from forever ago. I mean, there's a new one now, I think. I don't know. I don't keep up with MMOs anymore. But all of my characters, with the exception of uh, one Warforged, were elves. So, like, you know, I love elves. But there is something to be said about breaking the norm and coming out of my uh, comfort zone. And also, I've noticed there's a huge fan base for uh, orcs, um, you know, out there, and a lot of a lot of it is very um, queer, and I I just love it. It's beautiful. I see some of the art, and it's just you know so great. And I just thought it was funny when I when I was creating it that you know this beefy half orc gay man got hit on by this little otter ranger (laughs) i was just like should i should i should i call him an otter in the story or will it just be understood i think it was understood anyways um you know just to plug again don't forget mindful and funky and uh you know lovely hardbound journal with 200 pages of you know, blank dots, um, nailsthatglow.com, the link, books that glow, have information there. There's also Redbubble and Zazzle. And, uh, you know, if if you like some of the art cards, like this art here that you see, um, I post th- that art uh, both to uh, uh, those print-on-demand sites, uh, shirts, you know, uh, mats. Some of them are suitable for like shower curtains and stuff. I don't know what people are really into when it comes to that. So, you know, I just threw a bunch of, uh, you know, ideas out there, but some of them look really choice. Um, and, uh, you know, check out my other podcast, Abstractions That Glow. It's an audio podcast. I'm starting to get uh, more people interested in being guests. Um, I don't know about this week's episode, but definitely next week's episode is going to have a guest host. And, uh, yeah, if you're interested in being on Abstraction Tech Glow, you know, hit me up. There's a uh, link information on my website, nailsaglow.com. And, uh, don't forget to, uh, you know, just be amazing, be awesome. 
if you're if you're a struggling writer or a struggling creative just know your stuff your work your art is amazing it is no art is perfect no writer is perfect you know unless you're John Carpenter or Clive Barker you might be close to perfect but <laughs> i mean they both have done really terrible things too but <laughs> And Stephen King, what the fuck was the Green Mile? Like, really, Steve? Like, what was that? Anyways, <laughs> that was that actually inspired this project because, as I understand it, he just started writing, had no idea where the story was going to end up, and uh, released uh, the, them in sections originally. If I remember correctly, I could be misremembering. You know, it could be a mandala effect or something. But anyways... I want to thank you again for joining me for, uh, what's, what, what was this one's name? Was this, uh, Dark Rotation? Hold on, let me look, because I am, yeah, Dark Rotations. Hey, look at that, episode 26. I have not written, uh, next week's episode yet, so if you have any suggestions, drop them in the comments below, and, uh, just remember, I love you.